0: Today, we are in Isaiah chapter 49, and we are going to think about this idea of the favor of freedom. Can you say the favor of freedom? The favor of freedom. And we see this in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 8 through 13. Here we go. It says this. Thus says the Lord, in a time of, there it is. Favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out, and to those who are in darkness, Appear. They shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights shall be their pasture. Think about this. They shall not hunger nor thirst. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them. And by springs of water will guide them. And I will make my mountains a road. And my highway shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar. And behold, these from the north and from the west. And these from the land of Syene, Sing for joy, O heavens. And exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. As we work our way through these verses this morning, what we find is this. Jesus is the liberator who brings us into a freedom that is so much better than you think. Jesus is the liberator who brings us into a freedom that is so much better than you think. Now, as we begin our time in God's word this morning, I want to encourage you to not be a one-sided Christian, all right? Now, if you can... Kind of zoom in, maybe see if the light got a little, little shine here. Uh, this is what we call a coin. It is a nickel. And so many times in our relationship with God, we live on one side of the equation or coin when God is inviting us to a dual reality. So so as we think about this idea of freedom, a lot of times we reduce Salvation and the freedom that God brings us only to a freedom from. So we think about the life that we once lived, the the, the consequences of living life apart from God. And we say, God, thank you that you brought me out from all of that into a place of freedom and that's wonderful. Listen, that's great. There is so much to be thankful for, to celebrate, to sing about, that God has brought us out of these things, from these things, into freedom. But let me, let me share this with you. God does not simply offer us an escape from the things that once held us back and destroyed us, like sin, Satan, and death. He invites us into something. He wants us to not just an experience a freedom from, but listen, a freedom for. It's not just escaping the bad things, but it is enjoying, enjoying the great things that God offers us. And so today, I want to invite you through a series of three questions to consider how, how you are experiencing and enjoying the freedom God offers you. Not just from, but for all that he has before us. The, the, the first question I want to ask you this morning as we dive in is, is this. Have you experienced the liberation of Jesus? Have you experienced the liberation of Jesus? As we look at verse 8, we we need to pause and ask a very important question. Who is speaking to who in verse 8? Because we see here, thus says the Lord. We know that the Lord, God, is talking. And he says, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. And we might think, well, God... The father is speaking to his people who are often needing help and often needing answers. But that's not primarily who he's speaking to. Because this verse comes to us in a context that we saw last week in verses 1 through 7. Where God says, I'm going to send you a servant. And this servant is one who I'm called from the womb who is my son. And so we see that God the father is speaking to God the son here. And he is saying, son, I've answered you. My favor is here. Son, I have heard you and I am here to help you. This is the day of salvation. Son, I will keep you. I'm going to keep you, Jesus, as you walk the earth and as you live a righteous life and as you do the works of the kingdom of God, as you eventually die in the place of those who need my grace. Son, I will keep you. And I will not just keep you, but I will give you as a covenant a promise of a new way to to relate to God in terms of, 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 of people coming home and moving out of that which held them down but to that place of freedom of life that God offers us. But to understand the significance of what God is saying in Isaiah 49, you need a quick history lesson. All right, just a little little one, a little history lesson, all right? So students, I'm sorry you've been at school all week, first full week of school. I just got a little bit of a history lesson for you right quick, all right? So Isaiah 49 comes to us 700 years before Jesus was born. And 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah was God's spokesperson. And he was telling people about who God is and what God wanted for them. And they really needed to hear it because God's people, Israel, they were turning from God in rebellion. They were disregarding God in his ways. They were dishonoring him with their lives. And God As a consequence for their turning from him, says there is the grave consequence of exile coming. It is prophesied in Isaiah chapter 39, verses 6 and 7. Listen, behold, the days are coming. This is going to happen more than 100 years later. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house, and that which your fathers have stored up to this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away. Again, this is a picture of exile, the people carried off from their home into a foreign land. And exile is not simply to be displaced, as horrible as that is, but it is to be completely disoriented carried away into oppression and captivity these people would now strictly exist to satisfy the desires of those who are ruling over them and it's into these moments that God says behold you're going to be carried off you're going to serve another people Life is going to be very, very, very bad. But do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. And here is why. My deliverer is coming. I'm going to send a deliverer for you. And that's where we see in Isaiah chapter 40, the book, take a turn where God says, comfort, comfort, comfort my people. Exile will not have the last word. I am raising up a servant and this servant is who we read about in verses 8 and 9 in this entire chapter. In verse 8 it tells us what he brings. For starters, he brings favor. He brings us Favor. Now, now if I asked you to define or describe what is favor, I don't know about you, but sometimes I kind of fumble around. It's like it's hard to describe. I kind of, kind of know when I see it, but it's hard to describe what favor is. But but, but favor communicates God's delight to show his people good. This phrase, in a time of favor, could be translated in a time of grace or a time of mercy. When we experience God's favor, I pray that you not only have experienced God's favor, but you see and you know that you're continuing to experience God's favor because it is, it is experiencing His goodness not as a result of anything good in us or anything that we have done to merit or achieve his favor, but it comes to us as a result of his grace. And when you see, listen, when you see God's favor on a person or a family or a church or a situation or a circumstance, what we are seeing is the phrase that we hear As a refrain in the book of Nehemiah, the good hand of God is upon him, her, them, those people. Favor is God showing up. God is saying, I am there. I have heard you. I have answered This is why in our vivid vision for our church, we say that when people think of Redemption Hill, they think God is in that place. He is in those people. Favor is marked by the presence of God. Favor is God opening doors, providing strength, answering prayers, and leveling up our effectiveness. And I want to encourage you, because some of you might be hesitant around this idea of favor. It's like, favor, that sounds like health and wealth gospel, you know? It's like, if I'm praying for favor, that means, God, I'm praying that you'll make me rich. And by the way, it's okay to pray for financial blessings. Did you know that? It's just not okay to pray for millions and millions of dollars so that you can spend all the millions on yourself. We, 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 we ask God to, to bless us, to provide, and sometimes that means we barely have enough to pay the bills, and sometimes we don't even have that. But then when he, when he gives us a raise or he helps us out a little bit, we, we think about not just how can I spend on myself, but how can I give and help others? How can I further the mission of God? But, but favor is so much more than anything physical. Listen, when we pray for favor, we... we, we are asking for all of these things, all of these expressions of God's goodness and grace. And therefore, it is okay not to just simply pray for buckets and buckets of God's favor, but I'm thinking like this. I'm thinking, God, bring your dump truck after dump truck. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you hear that? Beep, beep, beep. It's like backing up. Give me, that, give me that dump truck size of favor, Lord. And then bring, bring another one. Just bring, I, I want more and more of your favor because God, I need it. I don't know about you, but I need God's favor. And favor is ultimately attached to this next phrase. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Favor and salvation are not synonymous, but they are attached. Because Salvation describes being rescued from a dangerous, life-threatening situation and brought into a place of freedom. So as you read the Old Testament, you'll you'll hear salvation described as being brought into open spaces or broad places, places where there's freedom to, to run and to move and to build and to live free. This is not a commercial for New Hampshire, by the way. I'm just just saying. Um, But but, but this is is what salvation is described as. And our freedom is implied in the covenant language of verse Uh, 9. Actually, at the end of verse 8, look, it says, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. And so we start to hear echoes as we're familiar with our Bible and we're getting familiar with our Bibles. We hear echoes of God's promise to Abraham. I will bless you. I will raise up an offspring, the servant. Jesus, and and through your offspring, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed and I will bring them into this land, a land where you can live and flourish. But then we see not only is freedom implied by the covenant language of verse eight, but it is made explicit in verse nine. Look at what it says, I love this. Jesus shows up, And Jesus starts speaking to the prisoners, and he says, come out. He he says to those who are sitting in darkness, you can't even see them because it is so dark, not just around them, but within them. And he says, appear, step out of the darkness and step into my light. And as we read the gospel we'll hear Jesus show up at his hometown synagogue Nazareth and he'll open the scroll this is called a Codex, by the way, like back in the day, started making codex books that open like this. But, but but back in the day, back way back in Jesus' day, they had scrolls. That would be cool, by the way, if I just had a scroll every Sunday and I just unfolded that thing and started reading from it and preaching from it. Anyway, that's beside the point. The point is Jesus in the synagogue of Nazareth, he unrolled the scroll and he found. Very specifically, he went to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, and there it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Someone needs to hear that this morning. He, Jesus came to bind up your broken heart. To proclaim, to proclaim liberty, that's freedom, to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year, the time, the day, the era, the age of what? God's favor, jubilee, that's it. Jesus shows up as the chain-breaking God, as the the God of liberation who is inviting us in to his freedom, a freedom from captivity and a freedom for everything that he desires for us. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, where do you need God's freedom? You, You may have already heard his voice, and listen, if you've never, if you have never stepped into the life of Christ, the light of Christ, and said yes to Jesus, and to experience a real relationship with him, I want to encourage you, do that today. Today, right now. I see that, God, I live for myself, and I'm, and I'm bound by all these things that are weighing me down, but I, I want your grace. I need your, your love and your, the relationship that you offer me. But it's not just a one-time experience. listen. All of us can move, Pastor Tanner included. We can all move, listen, from one degree of glory to the next. And did you know the next verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, that follows that up and it says, what, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Does anyone need to be set free from the opinions of others? Does anyone need to be set free from 60 to 70 hour work weeks? Does anyone need to be set free from your own unrealistic expectations of achievement? Does anyone need to be set free from destructive patterns of thought? Patterns that do not bring you life, but deliver chains of discouragement and depression. Does anyone need to be set free from anxiety? Does anyone need to be set free from addiction? We know greater Boston is riddled with people in the chains of addiction. Not just alcohol, but substances. But not just alcohol and substances, but pornography. Even technology. Listen, we get so addicted to these things that ultimately don't bring us life and build us up. And Jesus is saying, hey, you, come out. You, appear. I've got more for you. I've got better for you. Jesus liberates us to experience the favor of freedom. And my second question for you then today is this, not only have you experienced the liberation of Jesus, but how deeply are you enjoying the favor of God's freedom? How deeply are you enjoying the favor of God's freedom? And this, listen, this is a question that only you can answer. Amen? Like, like the people around you, the people closest to you, like they probably have a decent idea. But even the, the people around you don't, don't know like you know. And certainly like, like God knows. And so I hope you'll look under the surface. You'll think very personally as we look at verses 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 here. I want you to consider three areas, three ways that we can enjoy the freedom that God brings us in his kindness and in his favor. The first is this, the satisfaction of his provision. Look at at verse 9. It says, They shall feed. Those who who are bound, who have come out, who have appeared, who are in darkness, they shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights, no vegetation, we're not expecting food here. But now there's a, a feast. In verse 10 says what? It says, they shall not hunger or thirst. Because God is our provision. He is satisfying us with everything that we long for in life. As I was thinking about this, I've got a word for somebody here. Right? I think this is going to register and resonate. All right? uh, who knows about this reality of hunger? Anyone? Like, raise your hand, help me out. Who's heard of hanger or being hangry? Raise your hand a little bit higher. I can't see you there. That's most of us, okay? I'm going to help the rest of you out, okay? It's, it's not only when we're hungry, we all get hungry, right? Amen? You're like, Pastor Tim, it's 11.30 right now, and I'm, I'm starting to get hungry. Don't preach for another hour, all right? I didn't preach for an hour yet, but, but you, you get the idea. It's like, we're not only, we're not only getting hungry, but we're so hungry... Or we think we're so hungry that we start getting emotional about it. I mean, we start getting angry about how hungry we are, and our anger turns from our stomach toward people. We just start getting grumpy. How much longer? Not that I've ever said that in my house, but. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know what, Lord, we get physically hangry, (laughs) and we get a little spiritually hangry sometimes, too. (laughs) We get a little hangry with God. We get a little hangry with life. We get spiritually bent out of shape. We, We start finding that we rarely experience contentment. That we're riddled with frustration. That all that comes out of our mouths are negativity rather than God's goodness. And so we find that we we start we we, we like barely see the goodness in people and we're rarely experiencing God's joy. And we all get a little spiritually hangry sometimes. You're not alone, by the way. (laughs) If you're angry with God, if you're angry at life, you're not alone. But you do need to hear the words of Christ. I am the bread of life. Whoever hungers shall come to me and you won't be hungry anymore and you won't even thirst anymore. And this is what we see right here. They shall not hunger nor thirst. When, when we come to Jesus and we receive from him as the bread of life, we start saying things like, Jesus is enough. Jesus is better. He's better than my circumstances. He's better than all of the challenges that I face. We start saying things like this. Jesus, no one energizes me like you. No one lights up my soul like you, Jesus. You've come through again and again. I've seen you answer prayer after prayer. You've not only provided for my physical needs, but more importantly, Jesus, my name is written in heaven, and you wrote it with your signature. That's provision. That's the satisfaction of provision. But not only that, listen, also, number two, the safety of protection. The safety of protection. We see this in the second line of verse 10 where it says, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. Now, now, to come out of exile means that you are going to travel, I think about 800-ish miles across the desert. That is not a journey that any one of us wants to sign up for. But on this journey, where it is blazing hot, where it is wicked uncomfortable, God's saying, that wind and that sun, it's not going to touch you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to shield you. We hear echoes of Psalm 91. I mean, just go read it this week. We will dwell in his shelter. We will abide in his shadow. God is our refuge and our fortress. He covers us under his wings. He shields us. That's all in the first four verses. Are you thankful for God's protection? Do you, do you see God's protection? I mean, listen, God, God has us protected like the Secret Service has the White House protected. I mean, we were, we were in D.C. last week, Danny and Jacob and John, and, and we got to, you know, walk around a bit downtown. And does the, You're at the White House, you see Secret Service police everywhere. God's got you like that. I mean, another image that comes to mind, uh, I, I have a sweet 2009, 100 and almost 82,000 miles Honda. She's still running. I'm still thankful. In fact, I pray over my car. By the way, you can pray for that too. I pray over my car. Keep running car, please. Until I can give it to my, you know, daughter one day maybe. Uh. (laughs) But my wife, she doesn't have a 2009. She has a newer car with newer technology. And so when she's driving or when I'm driving her car, And we veer a little bit to the left. We hear that. Maybe we can get that smooth kind of pull back into our lane. And then when we veer a little to the right. And we get that smooth pull back into our lane. When we're in my car, we're just going off into the ditch. You know what I'm saying? It's It's like, you better pay attention. There is no lane assistance. Does anyone know? Can anyone testify here today that the Holy Spirit of God provides lane assistance? He's protecting us. There are times when we're about to make, hello, I can testify, a really stupid decision. We're about to go places we ought not to go. We're about to say things we would immediately want to put back into our mouths. And the Holy Spirit is pulling us back, protecting us, shielding us. God protect us. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to fear the schemes of the evil one. God's got his angels too. I'm just telling you. I know it's kind of like, well, what do we do with that? It's in the Bible, but I don't know if there's an angel. And It's like angels are there. Angels are showing up. God protects us from physical harm. He protects us from the influences of our world. But the protection that I am most grateful for is that God protects me from me. That's why we pray. Jesus taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. Protect us. From the evil one. We see here the satisfaction of his provision. We see the safety. Are you enjoying these benefits, fam? Are you enjoying the favor of his freedom? Not just provision, not just protection, but also his leadership. Look at at verse 10 at the end. For he who has pity on them. Thank you, Jesus, for your pity, for your compassion. He will lead them and by springs of water will guide them. He will even take the mountains that are impassable, and he will flatten them out so you can walk right through. He'll take the valley roads, and he'll raise them up so you're walking and running and moving and driving and flying on highways. This sounds like... Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, still waters. He restores my soul. And I love that this this imagery of people coming from afar and from the north and the west and the land of Syene, which is probably southern Egypt, the south. It's like all of the, the, the directions of the map are covered here. People are coming from everywhere. They're coming on God's highways back to him, out of captivity, from their captivity into the freedom that God has made them and saved them for. Our God gives us a purpose and a mission. He leads us. Our God helps us live with Vision, when we ask for it, and even when we don't, he shows up and he gives us wisdom. God is opening doors. He is making ways where there seems to be no ways. I can't wait to testify and tell stories. But listen, just this week in our church, Redemption Hill Church, we have seen two answers to prayer that I would call them miraculous. One was related to healing. The other was related to provision. He's leading us forward. He's showing up in ways that are in a time of salvation. I have helped you in a, in a time of favor. I've answered you. And all of this points us, listen again, to the saving work of Jesus. Because we can fast forward to Revelation chapter 7. And what does it say there? And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them. Are we reading Isaiah or Revelation? Nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb, Jesus, in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Wow. Sign me up. Thank you, Jesus, that I heard your voice and you said, Come out. And you set up here, and you didn't just let me experience your liberation for a day or two, but you allow me for today and the rest of my life and into eternity to more deeply enjoy the favor of your freedom. And as we do, listen, fam, as we do, and I'm going to cruise to a finish right here, we will respond and praise and worship and song. So the third question I have for you this morning is this. What is the volume of your song? What is the volume of your song? Because I'm just telling you this. Listen, there is a proportionate relationship between the level of your enjoyment of the favor of freedom and the volume of of your song verse 13 tells us sing for joy you're experiencing all these days God's providing for you he's protecting you he's showing up again and again and again he is leading you every single day of your life sing this is a call to action and it is for the entirety of God's creation sing for heaven sing for joy O oh, heavens exalt our earth Exulting is the heart leaping upward in praise. Break forth, O mountains, in the singing. Let me, let me ask you, when was the last time that you just erupted in praise to God. You just couldn't contain it. You said, God, thank you. You are so good. Even if your eruption means that you're in class or you're in the, the kitchen or you're at work and you're just like, you aren't being loud with it. It's okay. You can be loud on the inside and not on the outside. But you were just erupting in praise saying, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's time to raise the, the volume of our song. For the Lord comforts his people and he has compassion on all of his afflicted ones. So I want to ask you this morning, listen, have you heard his voice saying, come out, saying, appear? saying, I have a freedom for you that's not a one-time gift. It's not just for a day or two, but, but I have a, a gift that keeps on giving, that is there for you to enjoy every single day from here to eternity and on through. The Apostle Paul quotes these verses in Second Corinthians chapter 5. It tells us how all of this happens for us. We can experience liberation. We can enjoy the favor of freedom. We can raise the volume of our song because of what chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died for you so that you can be free. If you haven't tasted of his freedom, I'm, I'm begging you. I'm appealing to you. Receive the gift now, today. This is too important. It's too good to wait for. This is why Paul goes on and he says, working together with him, we make, it, we make our appeal. Just as I'm doing right now. Not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says what? In a favorable time, I listen to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. And Paul says what? Now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Because Jesus has come. Because Jesus is here. Because Jesus is leading us forward. And so I want to encourage you and invite you just to bow your head right where you are. And take one more moment with God. And in the quietness of these moments, you need to answer these questions. Have I experienced the liberation of Jesus? How deeply am I enjoying the favor of his freedom? And what is the volume of my song? God, we thank you that people right now are saying, I want more. That I want to experience the liberation that you offer us. And I want to enjoy more deeply all of the favor that you offer through the provision you give, the protection you, you, you show up with day by day for the, for the amazing leadership, day by day that you extend in our in our lives. And so God would you even now speak to our hearts and let us raise the the volume, the level of our song because you are so good God. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Our, our prayer team is gonna...